0: It boosts creativity, it helps sleep, it does all these really wonderful things. And so understanding why that is and and how we can best tune into that power, I think, is this wonderful opening area of, of natural science right now.
1: You are listening to the Pretzel podcast from Creative Mornings Munich. I am your host, Marco Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering inspiring topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers closer to you in your ears. Our guest today talked about the theme nature in the Creative Mornings Munich virtual session in May 2020. To see the talk, visit our show notes, thepretzelpodcast.com. He's a social scientist, educator, and certified permaculture designer. His mission is to help people unlock their potential and share their unique gifts through critical thinking, physical play, and time spent in nature. He holds a PhD in International Relations from the University of St Andrews in Scotland. He has worked in the United States, China, Scotland and Germany. He is Kimo Quentens. Hey Kimo. Hey Marco. <laughs> Welcome to
0: the show. Yeah, thank you. Great location today.
1: Yeah, we are, I mean, your, your, your video was, uh, or your talk was, was also like a shot in, in a forest. And now we are here in the English garden outside and hopefully get some some like uh, accidental dog barks and uh, bird <laughs> songs Long. so um you talk you talked about nature so what does it what does nature mean to you
0: uh nature and our know, nature's the nature's our source uh, so nature is where we come from nature's what nourishes us uh you know one of the ideas that 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 I've been really playing with in the last you know year or so is this idea that yeah you know, we get very fixated on the problems that are happening in nature and then that, that you know we need to be nature's caretaker and and i think it's it's better if we flip that around you know it's better if we flip it around and say nature is our caretaker and and if you really extend that idea then then nature doesn't just take care of our health and take care of our material needs nature also takes care of and services a lot of our Creative needs, a lot of our intellectual needs, a lot of our spiritual needs, and so anything that we can do to reconnect to nature nourishes a lot of different parts of us.
1: And uh, for you, you were in the forest. You for you, a forest is somehow special. Also, why is that?
0: Yeah, forests are special. Forests are special because I grew up in a forest. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Colorado in the mountains, and and my family history is very nature focused, nature oriented. So. Um, my mother had a very strong connection to trees. I think a lot of it came from a kind of like a Celtic pagan lineage where where, where trees were really worshipped and trees were seen as being, you know, almost like a, a type of, of spiritual, you know, mentor or guide for a society. And and so growing up in the forest, you know, I would just play outside all the time and I would have this environment supported by my parents where we we I really saw nature as not just a backdrop, but as, as part of the community I lived in, you know, as part of the set of relationships that I grew up in. And and that was also very supported by my father. He came from Hawaii and, and you know, his mother was very influenced by Hawaiian spirituality and, and a lot of the nature ideas there. And so having these two very powerful nature-focused backgrounds, I think really nourished that sense in me from an early age, that nature isn't as nice. It's something. It's something we're intimately connected with. It's something that is essential for us.
1: And especially since you were actually living in 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 nature, so of course it gives you a different relationship to the as, as opposed to a person who is uh, enjoying, for example, this park.
0: You know, I I think there's a lot of different ways to connect to nature. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a forest. I was fortunate enough to grow up in an environment where that that natural environment that natural power was always there it was always part of my my consciousness you know even from an early age but but i think even when we're here you know if you really if you really just take some time to tune into what's going on here you you access all the same the same kind of power i just think it's unfortunate for a lot of people that that and even for myself now we spend so much time in an unnatural environment we spend so much time at home in an office in places that don't have that natural dynamism, that natural creativity. And so so anything that we can do to get out, you know, if we're lucky enough to live in a forest, great. <laughs> but if we're not, you know, if we can get out in nature or connect to nature, even connected natural things, natural wood, it, it has a powerful effect.
1: And in your talk, you, you showed a few methods how to uh, reconnect sort of to the forest. Um, uh, what 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 is it that we can learn or or get from those uh, moments you showed there
0: well in in the talk uh, so a lot of the talk i was i was referencing um ideas that have been developed in japan for the last 30 years or so um with this this approach to nature therapy uh called shinrin yoku and shinrin yoku literally translates as forest bathing and so forest bathing arose um about 30 years ago the japanese government sponsored research into how nature affects human health human mental health human physical health and and what they were really looking at was they were looking at this rise of chronic diseases and a rise of of mental problems that were happening in people living in these dense cities and Japan is in this interesting position I, I didn't know this at all but Japan has one of the highest rates of of forest cover in the industrialized world. I think it's only second to Finland and and Sweden, but they also have the highest population densities in the world. And so they were, they were trying to reconnect kind of a traditional intuitive knowledge about the healing power of nature with scientific knowledge about the, the healing power of nature. So they sponsored a lot of research into does a forest have a positive effect or does it have any effect on our health? And and we can go into maybe some of the research details later, but but really what they found is that forests have a very dramatic positive effect on us on lots of different levels. On the level of physiology, in reducing blood pressure, and you're reducing stress levels, cortisol levels. That has a really dramatic increase in our our the immune response. So just being in the forest and smelling the air boosts your count of natural killer cells. It's a central part of your immune system and it 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 boosts creativity it helps sleep it does all these really wonderful things and so understanding why that is and and how we can best tune into that power i think is this wonderful opening area of of natural science right now
1: what about the the time you uh, sort of uh, experienced this kind of a uh, reconnection to forest for the first time
0: well so, so I'd I'd grown up with this deep connection to forests. I'd grown up with this this deep kind of unconscious, intuitive knowledge about about the power of forests in particular. Um, but it really wasn't until until relatively recently that I reconnected with it. And so I reconnected with it. Uh, the most powerful way I reconnected with it, I, I went uh, to Peru and I spent some time working with um, Shipibo. It's a it's a indigenous uh, 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 group in Peru. Uh, and they have a traditional approach to working with plant medicines. And so I spent some time down there learning from them, studying with them and, and experiencing how do they work with their natural environments and how do they work with specific plants to, to, uh, create healing experiences for, for people. And, and so as part of that experience, one of the ways that they access that is they ask, access that through a traditional, uh, medicine called ayahuasca. ayahuasca is a very strong psychedelic and, and it opens people up to a lot of things that might be happening internally or opens you up to things that are happening externally that maybe you've you've limited in your in your perceptive filtering and through that experience one of the things that was happening is is all of this experience is happening in the middle of the jungle in Peru in the Amazon and and as we went through the weeks of doing this work the, the, the forest itself became part of this process. The forest itself became very much, I, I was much more aware of how alive it was, how dynamic it was, how much there was to learn just from being more aware of what was going on in the natural environment. And, and the, the experience for me on the most basic level was like reawakening what I remember from being a, a child in the forest remembering this kind of like sparkling magical vitality of the natural world and and that was so exciting to me to reconnect to something that i already knew on a very basic level and i think almost everybody knows on a basic level and the idea that that that's just still accessible to us if we only tune in in a certain way is is amazing and so that really sparked a lot of a lot of thought and a lot of experience in me of how can I integrate that in my life? How can I make that something that isn't just this, you know, this experience that kind of lives outside of my normal life? How do I bring that into my day-to-day life?
1: Yeah, it's like a, how to uh, utilize the flashback you get and then make it part of your, your life.
0: Yeah, and, and, and and you know, part of it is the flashback, right? So part of it is this connection to, to yourself through time, right? But there was a there was a really powerful idea that came up when I was down there and it was this this idea that is very central to the Shapibo worldview which is that they they have this idea that they are members of a community and the other members of that community are all of the things that are in their environment all the animals all the plants you know rocks everything is is part of their community and being members of a community means that they have responsibilities to those things and they get things from those things. So it's this idea of reciprocity, that, that we're not just there kind of taking from the natural environment. We're also there to give things to the natural environment. And when we enter into that relationship of being reciprocal, giving and taking and thinking of our relationships in that way, that opens us up to a much healthier connection to everything in our lives. And so, so, for me, that, that idea of connection, you know, if I'm connected to you or if I'm connected to this natural environment, it's, it's a two-way street. You know, you're bringing something to my experience and hopefully I'm bringing something to you, and, and the natural world is the same. And that idea of really being connected in this reciprocal way, I think, has a lot of depth and a lot of power to, to kind of heal us from some of the, the problems that we face from being very isolated in our experience. That that actually takes us
1: <clears throat> nicely to the uh, to the uh, relationship between people, nature, and and uh, technology. So uh, on one one kind, of nature is uh, and forest especially is is a source of rest and recovery. So it relieves stress and energizes, and we already talked about a little bit about that. Why is that?
0: So okay, so if we talk about if we talk about what there, there's there's a there's a layer of this that we could talk about that's that's um, very rational, very kind of grounded in 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 scientific thinking. and that's and that's great. i i there's I, I love that. <laughs> and I think that's important for a lot of people, especially in the West, that when you start talking about something like this, um, for a lot of people, it's important that they rationally consciously conceptually get it. there's some there's something they can hang on to that they can say, okay, this isn't just something totally esoteric and and so on that level of it so if we talk about forests um one of the things that 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 happens in forests when people go out something that's happening for us right now is uh, trees themselves have immune systems they're not the same as ours but they 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 have ways to protect themselves from bacteria and fungus and uh, disease and decay and, and one of the ways that, that they'll do that is, is through uh, something called phytoncides. So phytoncides are something that are found in the essential oils of a lot of trees and plants. And they have that kind of antibacterial, antifungal uh, property, but that gets exuded in the, in the air. So it kind of becomes part of the forest environment. And phytoncides have a very strong effect on human health. So it becomes something that has a very powerful effect on, on our own immune systems. So breathing in phytoncides has been demonstrated scientifically to, to, to boost our immune function, to reduce our stress levels, to bring blood pressure down, to improve sleep, improve creativity, all these things. So you've got, you've got that, you've got that on, on one level, there's, there's, there's just like almost, you could call it a, a, a chemical and physiological effect but then there's another effect that's happening um that's that's psychological and that that almost goes deeper in some way for a lot of people's experience and that is um synchronization to rhythm so uh, human beings are we're fundamentally rhythmic organisms we're they're they're we're, we're fundamentally driven by rhythm and we're 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 driven by synchronization and whether you talk about that in terms of you know the breathing that's happening our heartbeats all kinds of natural rhythms that are happening in our body or much more powerfully for a lot of people in their conscious experience is is we constantly synchronize with our environments and with each other it's a very important way that that we tune into each other and collaborate so for example, there's a lot of evidence, there's a lot of, of science that backs up this idea that that once we start getting connected to each other in rhythm, as we synchronize with each other, that opens the door for us to cooperate. So coordination leads to cooperation and we can see that in groups that sing or marching or you know all these things that you know groups that really need to be coordinated will do they, they do those things for a reason soldiers march not just because it's like following orders and it's it's because it, it strongly helps them coordinate as a group and so we do that with each other you know you and I could go for a walk and just in the rhythm of, of walking we would start to tune into each other and we would be more open to the signals that we're sending across to each other So we would be able to perceive more about each other we would lock into each other we would start exhibiting more kind of unconscious signs of alignment Uh, but we also do that with natural environments so if i'm in a busy city or i'm in a very stressful office it's it's a part of my kind of evolutionary survival strategy that that i'm designed and you're designed to synchronize with the pace of my environment you know it doesn't help me if i'm way out of pace of the environment so when we're in a city, and when we're in a busy office, we're, we're synchronizing with all of that kind of hectic constant movement. And, and when that's happening all the time, that is a powerful driver of chronic stress. You know, it's, we're not designed to just be operating at that fast level all the time. So when you come into a forest, you come into a natural environment, you're also synchronizing with the pace of that environment, with the rhythms that are in that environment. So we're outside. What's happening around us that we're either consciously or unconsciously perceiving? Like we're tuning into the natural movement of wind, you know, we're tuning into the movement of water that's around. We're tuning into these much slower rhythms and, and synchronizing with them. And so, you know, I, you can tell me from your experience and maybe growing up where you did in Lapland in, in Finland, there there's there's you probably feel something when you go outside. Yeah, definitely. definitely. What do you feel?
1: Uh, it's some sort of a peace and um, uh, belonging, I would say. Yeah.
0: So, so you feel this sort of sense of peace and belonging, and 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 is it amplified when you're
1: outside? Yeah, depending which outside, but like like here, it's really like pleasant, and uh, I yeah. could like sit and just stare the green flat surface forever <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean you're very lucky in a way right you're lucky that you grew up where you grew up you're lucky where you grew up in this beautiful natural environment where whether you were conscious of it or not there are all kinds of natural rhythms for you to synchronize with and those become part of your they become part of your memory you know there's there's an idea that I like that that our nervous system our nervous system is not just about responding to things our nervous system um is is a recording device and and our nervous system is recording everything that's happening to us and and encoding it in our bodies and that's 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 a powerful way for us to develop the ability to respond to patterns more efficiently and And that also means that that all those those things that you perceived when you were young they they become part of you. So when you reconnect to an environment like that, you you're ready to 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 be in that space, and it has a very positive, powerful effect on you. yeah, then, then
1: you don't necessarily even realize or know yourself why is it? yeah, the way it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly.
1: You mentioned also an interesting uh, concept uh, on your talk was this um,
0: perceptual gating. Mm, yeah perceptual gating is uh perceptual gating is is another uh, you could call it a, a survival mechanism and and perceptual gating is is we are designed to to either widen or narrow how much information we're we're consciously aware of and and there's evidence that all species do this yeah, it's 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 and it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. So, so, for example, when I'm very young and I have a one-year-old son now and, and he's kind of just waking up to the wonder of the world and everything is like fascinating, every taste, every touch is fascinating to him. And, and his sensory world is like it's wide open and it needs to be right? because he needs to learn about how the world works. And so he needs access to a lot of information to start establishing patterns to establish behaviors that work for him in his world, that help him, that please him or that help him avoid danger. And and we're all doing that all the time. But as we get older, and especially if we get older and we're in environments that aren't changing, you don't need that wide open perceptiveness you know you don't need your senses to be wide open it actually becomes very distracting it kind of holds you back from doing repetitive tasks so when the environment is very predictable our senses tend to to get a bit narrower we get very focused on a few sources of information and anybody who's working in like a stressful office environment will will know that, right? You get tuned to your email, you get tuned to maybe the emotions of your coworkers. But like what's happening outside and flowers and trees is just is just like another world, you know, it does it's not part of your consciousness. And all of that is fine, you know, I'll put that in air quotes because there's some problems that, that come with that. But as soon as your environment is unpredictable, that doesn't work. You can't just rely on the same patterns that you've always relied on. You need to be widening up your sensory gate. You need that that you need to be uh, have access to more information about what's going on around you in order to find new patterns that work, make adaptations that are positive for your survival. And and this is something that that is is essential for everyone to adapt and be dynamic and agile as they go through their lives the ability to either widen up your senses when when you need to or to narrow your senses when you need to now there's a lot of different ways that we can do this you know psychedelics are uh, one very powerful way of doing that you know they they widen up your 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 perceptual gates you get access to a lot of information that you're not normally conscious to both internally and externally and for for most people that helps them kind of reset patterns that aren't working for them but you can do that without drugs certainly you can do that just in the forest environment by going out and becoming mindful and becoming aware of what's happening that your senses will naturally open up as this very deep evolutionary response to what are the patterns around me what's happening you know in the dynamic natural environment there's a lot that's happening and so You could also do that with mindfulness, you could do that just purely internally with meditation but nature is very powerful at opening up the senses, helping us become more receptive and that receptivity is fundamental to our creativity and creativity is a receptive act, it's an act of receiving things and making sense of them, It's it's not really an act of like I'm just pulling something out of thin air and making a genius contribution, it's more synthesis so in
1: addition to rest and recovery nature and forest is also a source of life and nourishment yeah um as mentioned earlier i I come from lapland and and finland and uh, we like to say that our nature relationship is special Uh, i don't know if that's 100 percent true but it's there's something there so basically we or in nordic countries overall people go and pick Berries and mushrooms and eat from there. So it's actually a source of nourishment. And um, whereas, like here in in, in Germany, uh, people tend to more like um, hike, but not big berries or not big mushrooms. So, uh, what, what do you think about that kind of a, uh, different relationships? I, I mean, it's a uh, it's like a home, or womb for Nordic people, and here it's more like. Uh, A bit
0: dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's, I I mean, I think one thing that that you can see everywhere and maybe, you know, it's easier to see it sometimes here in Germany is that um, people get very goal oriented in nature. And when that goal is not about the nature itself, but about like, you know, how do I get from point A to point B uh, or how do I exercise? You know, I'm going to go for a hike. But, but, you know, if my hike is like, how fast can I get up the mountain? And, you know, I did a thousand meters in an hour. That's great. Um, you know, th- then you're not really connected to nature in a, in a fundamental way. So what you're talking about when you talk about like the Finnish approach to nature being one where, where you know, you're, you're entering into a relationship with nature. You're tuning into what nature has to offer. That is incredibly powerful on so many levels because on just like a purely sensory level so if you go out and you're going to pick berries and in Finland you you have to be looking at patterns you have to be looking at what's around you You have to be receptive to the signals that nature is is sending you but then there's this this almost like relationship level that's happening which is you're picking the berries, the berries are nurture, uh, nourishing you. You have a direct relationship to your health and how nature is providing that and how nature is serving you in some way. And, and I think for most people, almost all people, that, that relationship becomes one of caring. You, it's, it's much easier to care for nature when, when nature is caring for you directly. You're not just going to the store to buy cloudberries, you're picking them. And, and you're seeing how nature changes over the seasons and you're seeing when those berries are really at their ripest. And, and that relationship, like my wife right now, she's, she is, is in this like, wonderful exploratory phase of learning a lot about medicinal plants, learning more about herbs. And, and when she goes out and she's foraging, uh, nature is totally alive to her in a way that it wasn't before. It's communicating to her And then it's nourishing us. And that relationship is just such a positive one and such a basic one. You know, so many things in our modern life are are really all about like, we call it problem solving, but it's creating problems. We're disconnecting ourselves from natural processes. We're disconnecting ourselves from nature. And then it's not any surprise that we feel confused and isolated and alienated going back into nature and just picking berries like it's healthy on so many levels and it opens up the connection in so many levels so i wish more people did that and germany has a great tradition of that and there's still a lot of people who do that so i don't want to just say germans are all like totally goal oriented about optimizing their, their exercise but there is a lot of that <laughs>
1: yeah uh, actually that's uh that goes quite close to the uh, permaculture design also which you have uh, yeah. uh um,
0: you're a designer. You're a permaculture designer. Yeah, well, I got a I got a, a, a design certificate in, in permaculture um, from a wonderful, wonderful permaculture teacher who was connected to the, the 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 people who first established permaculture. That's where he that's where he learned uh, himself. His name is Joff Lawton, and I would recommend anybody to look him up. Um, permaculture really appealed to me uh, on a number of levels. It's a, it's something I've been learning in the last couple of years. It appealed to me it kind of came up to me um really when my wife got pregnant and and suddenly when I was thinking about having a son and I was thinking about you know all the problems in the world I think like a lot of people there was this sense of kind of like hopelessness and depression about all the things that are happening to the environment and you know it it was this dispiriting thing of like what am I going to be able to provide for him when when the environment itself, you know we're we're kind of degrading it, and it's collapsing in certain ways and And so, when I came across permaculture, it was so appealing to me because permaculture is really this idea that humans can be the most powerful, most positive element in a natural environment. But to do that, they must learn how the natural environment works, and they must learn how they become um, they 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 can interact and learn from the environment to to support it creating positive networks of yield and relationships and and so it's this wonderful window into understanding how natural systems really work how natural systems support themselves and naturally produce things and then how we bring those ideas into our own lives so that we can say produce foods or medicines for ourselves in a way that isn't just sustainable, it's resilient, you know, that that our natural environments can be much more um, able to resist and and positively contribute to the to the other surrounding environments than they do right now. So it's really it's an idea that that in many ways is opposed to kind of traditional agricultural ideas and monoculture ideas, but it's really it's like an ethical design system about how do we how do we relate to nature how do we learn from nature how do we interact with nature in ways that provide for us in ways that we provide for the natural environments and we provide for each other and to me those are those are just ideas that i think should just be much more widely appreciated in society if we want to make it through the kinds of environmental crises that, that that are that are happening right now
1: We talked now about the people and nature, what about technology. How does technology fit into this picture mm.
0: Yeah, technology is interesting, so i have a very I have a very uh conflicted relationship with technology <laughs> i mean, i'm not a i'd say i'm a, I'm a technology skeptic, but I, I also use technology every day. You know, I depend on technology every day.
1: Not a luddite, though.
0: Well, no, no, no. I'm not a luddite. Like I, I don't, I don't reject technology per se. But um, I reject what I reject is I reject the way that I have in the past, and I think a lot of people uh, fetishize technology. And we fetishize technology because we're very. Um, we're very excited about what we create and we're very excited about our own ability to shape our environment. And, and that's beautiful. That's wonderful. That's, that's part of what makes us human. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but taken to an extreme, what, what it tends to do. And I see this all over the tech world. We tend to start to reduce all problems to problems that have a technological solution. And we tend to think that, that everything that is a problem in the world just sort of needs more technology or better technology and, and that we need more technology in our social lives and we ne- need more technology, you know, in every area of our lives and it's just wrong. <laughs> it's just a bad idea. (laughs) And and so so to have a relationship with technology, like we need a positive relationship with technology. We need to know where technology can help us, help us connect to each other, help us solve problems. But we also need to have a much deeper conversation as a society about where technology should just be left alone, like stop. We don't need to solve every problem with technology. And, And so you know in my work that that's that's been a kind of a continual source of of frustration and also excitement is is that question where does technology play a role in helping us stay in balance with each other stay in balance with ourselves stay effective and efficient at our work and where does technology become a, a kind of a driver of 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 mental problems and physical problems, and and how do we how do we make that balance in a healthy way?
1: So you have studied uh, international relations. Uh, how did you end up doing what you're doing now?
0: Yeah. So so my, my path is is gone a lot of different directions, and I I think I've been in some ways I would say I'm fortunate that 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 I that I took the opportunities and I had the opportunities to to follow things that interested me and answer questions that i that i thought were important for me to answer and when i started studying um, international politics what i was really curious about i was curious about power i was curious about what people do with power does it when people have power how does it change them Um, what are our responsibilities when we have power and so i looked at that through the lens of of political conflict and and the cold war was was an area that i studied uh, when i was in doing my my uh, phd thesis but as i as i came out of it you know i i realized that that question that that big question of you know how does power change how we relate to each other how does it change how we relate to ourselves um that for that for most people that that level is 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 much more basic it's kind of at the level of technology that was what really was interesting me at the time that my PhD was finishing up. So I'd been looking at these big kind of global shifts in power. And then right when I was finishing my PhD, social networks were coming up and there was something really interesting happening there. And so I I followed that kind of track into it. And and I realized there were a lot of people who were confused about it and answering the questions I had were questions that, that other people found useful. And so my teaching at university kind of blended into my consulting work and and so that that's really been a red line or a thread through all of my work is this is this question of you know how do we relate to each other in healthy ways how do we relate to ourselves in healthy ways how does having power change that and and what things are powerful and so going from you know it might seem strange on the outside but going from looking at nuclear weapons to cell phones and social networks to nature it it seems like wild zigzags but for me it's all part of one line of of inquiry
1: what are you uh, focusing right now what is the most inter- interesting thing in your work work right now
0: so my work is going through i think i'm going through a big um restructuring rethinking you know i think it it happens to everybody a few times in their lives and this is this is one of those times for me um so i'm very much in a phase right now where i'm I'm rethinking what it is I should be dedicating my energy to what's What's the area where I can make the biggest contribution and and how can I make myself both available and useful and And I don't have the clearest answer to that right now. And I'm working uh, with other people on that, and I've got a few projects that I'm working on that are you know kind of helping me find my way forward through action. but uh, you know a lot of the basic themes are, are things that we've been talking about so a lot of my work is really focused on how do people develop and maintain because it's never like a, a a finishing point how do we find and maintain a healthy relationship with ourselves and and how do we use that to to build healthy relationships with each other and so i've been looking at that through the lens of the way people work and, and I've been doing that a lot. A lot of the work that I've been focusing on is how teams collaborate and how they can effectively connect to each other and make good decisions and, and, and basically build up positive relationships that make their work something that is enriching and creative and exciting and life-giving rather than dull and stressful and poisonous, which is unfortunately, a lot of workplaces. Um, And so I've looked at that through two levels. One of them has been has been team collaboration through um, kind of tools that we can use when we work together, whether it's the way that we make decisions online when we're working remotely. So I do a lot of work with teams on helping them run workshops where they they get to learn a new way of making decisions that actually speeds up the decision-making process. It improves it and it increases their sense of connection and creativity together. Um, and I've also been doing that through movement. So helping teams understand that, that we're not just sort of brains connected to computers. We're, we're, our bodies are part of our own intelligence. And so working with our bodies is part of what serves our creativity, serves our connection to each other.
1: How would people be, be, be able to uh, contact you if they find that interesting? Uh,
0: well, the, the if people want to contact me, I'm on LinkedIn, so that's a good place to start. Yeah, <laughs> send me a message there. Um, they could look at my website. So we've got we've got two websites, uh, the two projects that I that I uh, currently work on. One is IQ Gemini, and that's the 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 consultancy that I have that's focused on really team collaboration. Um, around events workshops uh online strategy workshops things like that so i i work as a facilitator and a consultant through that way Um, the second is is a project that i have with some wonderful people in munich who are movement specialists and it's called move to think and move to think um, is is really this way of how do we access our physical intelligence as a way of improving our ability to collaborate with each other. Um, and and people can contact us there and we do online teaching and we do workshops. And um, a lot of it is about how do we connect with a group and really help them experience it so that they start to be more curious about how to follow it up themselves. And it's, it's a little bit of a philosophical point and, and it maybe, goes against some of what the consulting world likes to do but um i'm not a huge fan of providing answers for people because because if you ask me a question i give you a a final answer like we're done (laughs) and and you're done in a way that that maybe isn't so helpful to you where whereas if if i can engage with you in a process of a process of answering that question that makes you more curious about what's going on then and i've given you something that sustains you that keeps you in motion and and for me it probably keeps me in motion too so so the way that w- that i do the inquiry is kind of trying to get out of this limited box of answers and more to that wider world of questions and curiosity and you know really engaging with things that are more sophisticated and sustaining and 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 have depth to them that can keep you going for the rest of your life rather than just okay we got an answer boom you're done and now you're kind of bored
1: <laughs> but now you have to answer still one last final question <laughs> which we ask of our from our all our guests so um, what does creativity mean to you
0: mm. well creativity is uh, creativity is is you know it's this fundamental form of of expression I think it's this essential form of expression for everyone that uh, that is a a form of receiving from the world around us and connecting to the world around us so my my favorite way of seeing that right now is through my son he's a year old and and he loves music i think all kids love music they're built for it but when a song comes on that he likes he starts dancing he starts moving he starts expressing himself and so two there's lots of things going on, but two really powerful things are happening that I think are essential to the creative process. The first is that he's receiving, yeah, he's receiving the rhythm of the music, he's receiving the emotion of the music, and then through him receiving that, he expresses himself in a way that connects him to the people who are around him it connects him to me and he starts laughing and i start laughing and we get in sync and we get more connected and you know he feels happier and i feel happier and that that's like a little microcosm for i think creativity for everyone it's it's so much about how do we become more receptive to what's really going on around us and how do we become receptive to the things that are emotionally powerful for us and then by becoming more receptive how do we then Tra- How do we then transform that into an expression that connects us to other people more deeply and, and deepens our relationships with each other? That's creativity to me. <laughs> and I think it's a beautiful pursuit.
1: <laughs> our thanks to Kimo and everyone at the Creative Mornings Munich team. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Linklen, at Pulmer Production. Our music was made by Sasha Ende. You have been listening to the Pretzel, the Kitty Mornings Munich podcast. Send us feedback by email to feedback@thepretzelpodcast.com. To find the show notes for this episode or to get new episodes right to your phone and your ears, visit thepretzelpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.